1: Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast.
0: Hi guys. Hi Mithila. Thank you so much for joining me on the Inside Line F1 podcast this week as well. I think it's a treat for all our listeners that you are there for like two back-to-back episodes.
1: Thank you so much. But Kunal, you know what? I had to be here. I mean, as soon as I found out that all 10 teams have signed the Concord Agreement, I was like, you know what? We need to do a show now.
0: Yes guys, so this uh, show is recorded over Zoom, so pardon any audio issues that we have already and uh, a big thanks to Julian for helping me fix my audio quality in my home studio setup.
1: So Okay guys, in this week's episode, we're going to talk about the Concord Agreement, Liberty Media and the business of Formula One overall. Akunal, I also want to talk about Mercedes' Debrief and you know the other videos that they've been releasing on social media.
0: I would like to touch upon two issues dealing with the FIA, the first being the racing point protest. And the second is what has you know, largely been publicized as the ban on engine modes and qualifying. Uh, I would like to explain why it's much more than actually just a ban on engine modes and qualifying.
1: Yes, and while you get all technical, I'm going to bring some fun stuff in. We're going to talk about Lando Norris and Gigi Hadid and of course Kimi Raikkonen. And I think the other fun stuff I really want to talk about is the AWS fastest ever Formula One drivers ranking. We have to talk about that.
0: Yes, and before we get to business, uh, a big thanks also to Lucian for our catchy opening and closing tunes. And also a hello to Zidane and Ruhan. Uh, They are eight-year-old twins from the city of Mumbai in India. They've become big Formula One fans this season, thanks to Drive to Survive.
1: Literally, Drive to Survive has been a game-changer for Formula One and our show, actually.
0: Yes, it absolutely has. And uh, Ziran and Ruhan's father, Zainul, got in touch uh, with me about their kids uh, and their newfound love for Formula One. And believe it or not, you know, I I get voice notes from the twins on WhatsApps. And, uh, you know, they they send their queries uh, about the sport and they're actually their queries are great insights into what Formula One uh, needs to, you know, keep doing to simplify the sport. Like I was once asked, what's an in-lap and an out-lap, you know, as simple as that.
1: Yeah. And Kunal, I think we should just make your voice notes public and let all our listeners know how you've been explaining (laughs) Formula One to eight-year-olds, you know, that could be like the next Formula One video or something. (laughs) And guys, if y'all really want to know what Kunal's been up to, we will give you access to those voice notes. Send us a message via our Facebook page. where the the Line Formula One podcast on Facebook as well.
0: Okay, thanks for that. Thanks for the advertisement. But let's get cracking with this episode.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So Kunal, all 10 teams have signed the Concord Agreement. And I think this is great news for Formula One and Liberty Media. And, you know, I think this is where I must say, that like we had actually called this out like a few months ago on our show, that all 10 teams will end up signing. And as usual, we're right.
0: You you are pretty braggy yourself this weekend. Why not? But, uh, you know, frankly, I knew that there might be some drama around the whole Concord agreement signing. And, uh, you know, we saw some drama in Spain where Mercedes said that to each his own. And, you know, we realized the teams are not united and the likes. But... You know, I also knew deep down inside that if a team wasn't signing, we would have heard of it several months ago, you know, like pretty much all rumors in Formula One, we would have seen the smoke somewhere. And uh, I would say that Liberty Media has stage managed this very well, just as they should, you know.
1: And I also think that Liberty Media, they've announced it at a perfect time. Like, you know, in the fortnight long break between Spain and Spa. So it's a great way to keep the conversation going.
0: Yes. And the way it now is to see who leaks some of the terms of the Concord Agreement. You know, I'm sure that's going to take some time, but we will hear of some key information out soon. You know, the typical questions that go along with each Concord Agreement. You know, uh, for example, what's uh, Ferrari's historic bonus like? You know, how equitable is the revenue distribution in this agreement and and so on? Because, you know, these are always the moot questions everyone asks.
1: That's true. And you know, Kunal, while you go off seeking these details, I think it's actually time for us to take our hats off or like you say, helmets off to Liberty Media because they've done fantastically well to get the most crucial elements signed off despite the ongoing pandemic.
0: You know, I love how you've taken to the motorsport equivalent of hats off. So thanks for using my favorite term, helmets off. And um, secondly, yes, Liberty Media now has the sport's uh, immediate future secured in the exact manner that they set out to do when they bought the sport from Bernie Eccleston in 2017. So, you know, helmets off, like you said.
1: Indeed, and now they have the budget cap in place, the sliding scale arrow. they have the new regulations from 2022, and now the Concord Agreement.
0: Yes, and they've also signed off new race venues, Vietnam and the likes. Uh, I think they've done very well to adjust to this ongoing pandemic and host races and, you know, keep the sport going. They've been pretty busy, actually. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, critics would still say that hey liberty media hasn't attracted new teams or new manufacturers or new power unit manufacturers to formula 1 yet but you know i think that's a bit harsh if you know you're that critic who's who has this view uh, to me <coughs> sorry to me it's like telling lewis hamilton that hey you don't only need to win all the races you need to win them by taking like the grand slam each time and uh, i think that's a bit harsh and unfair so Personally, this is like A-plus performance from Liberty Media and Chase Carey all the way through.
1: True. And, you know, there's also an insight uh, from Chase Carey's predecessor, the great Bernie Ecclestone, on why he actually paid Ferrari more through the years. So Bernie said that he paid Ferrari more to use their brand name in Formula One. And, uh, you know, uh, just to stop them from changing their brand name to like Alfa Romeo or Maserati or something else, Uh, Because he said that Ferrari, by any other brand name, would devalue Formula
0: One. You know, to me, that's a very fascinating insight. And, uh, you know, I'm glad Bernie keeps delivering these, you know, wisdoms, you know, time and again through, even though he's not connected to the sport in any way. But uh, last two points before we move on to the sporting side of Formula One. You know, the first one, uh, of course, uh, another pat on the back for Liberty Media, you know, They're working on confirming a a 17-race schedule for 2020. And I think that's another phenomenal task.
1: I'm so surprised because when they first announced, like, what, five or six races back in June, and they said that it was their target to host 15 to 18 races this year, I don't think most of us actually believe them. 17 races is a phenomenal number.
0: Yeah, in fact, you know, when they first made their announcements... Pretty much everyone even wondered if you know Liberty Media was dreaming, and you know even if one of the races would go on and so off. So I don't want to jinx anything. Seventeen races is is damn good. Fingers crossed. Yes, and uh, the last point uh, on the business of Formula One is, of course, regarding Williams. You know, the legendary Formula One team has found a new buyer. Uh, the, the the new buyer is uh, a U.S. based. Duralton Capital, and I'm guessing I pronounced that right, because I would have almost said uh, Doritos Capital, you know, <laughs> but yeah. great news for Williams.
1: Yeah, and you know, actually, I'm quite sure that uh, Duranton Capital, uh, the new owners, they were pretty upbeat about Williams and uh, Formula One after seeing all these moves being made by Liberty Media on the business side of the sport and all in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's no doubt in that. And this is probably why, you know, Doralton's news was made public a few days after the signing of the Concord Agreement. So everything moving in the right direction. And hopefully we, you know, we have more competition as Liberty Media, you know, keeps envisaging with these new rules come 2022.
1: And also for all you Williams fans uh, who are wondering, the new owners have uh, expressed interest in actually keeping the team operations at Grove. And more importantly, they've confirmed in a press release that, uh, and we have a copy of that press release actually, that they intend to continue racing under the Williams brand name. So there will be no change.
0: Yes. And in fact, they will continue to race under the same chassis name as well. So, you know, it's it's nice that they realize the, the value of the Williams brand uh, in a sporting and commercial sense of things.
1: Great. So Kunal, that brings us to the next point we're going to discuss. And I think this is a sporting and a technical controversy, like the biggest controversy of the season, literally. Guys, it's the AWS rankings of the fastest Formula One drivers. And uh, we have to talk about it. So, you know, for me, I'm really glad that the machines played it safe by placing like Senna and Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton in the top three.
0: <laughs> I think this is where they really cared about fan sentiment. They said, let's not go completely haywire. Let's make sure that at least the top three are secured. But guys, that's machine learning for all of us. You know, the machines could uh, come up with this bold or Silly List, whichever way you see it, because they operated without our typical uh, human uh, biases. And Mithila, to me, the human fans have been cursing the machines and the enabled rankings because of our very biases, right? But Interesting. Frankly, yeah, I don't care two bits about such rankings. And I'm, you know, I'm happy that there's a conversation, but let's not overdo it.
1: By the way, there was another interesting insight from the AWS rankings. So Team Lotus, I'd say they were way ahead of the curve when they hired, uh, you know, the Yano, Truly Heike, Kovalainen pairing back in 2010. (laughs) It's almost like the machines are coming to uh, Tony Fernandez's uh, rescue. They're saying that, okay, don't worry, you made one good decision (laughs) while you were in Formula One.
0: (laughs) Okay, time to bring up my favorite topic, which is the ban on engine modes. In qualifying, this is expected to come into force from the Italian Grand Prix weekend.
1: Yeah, Kunal, please don't take away too much of our fun time with all your technical stuff. So,
0: yes, guys, yes, two minutes or less. It's going to be a bit of a monologue, I guess.
1: Yeah, and Kunal, just to remind you, last weekend you were not in favor of the ban. So, I hope you're not uh, changing your opinion.
0: No, I am not changing my opinion, nor am I changing sides. I still think that they shouldn't ban the engine mods. But that's extra 15 seconds added to my two minutes of a monologue, right? But here it goes. And this time I want to, you know, offer the FIA's view and perspective uh, on why they're introducing this ban. And in simpler words, it's because the power units have become extremely complex to police. And, uh, you know, we saw with, um, you know, how they had a difficulty, uh, you know, policing Ferrari's power unit last season. And, You know, the governing body has decided to uh, simplify it for themselves and they've done so by asking the teams to do all the hard work, like if you were to see it that way. And uh, the hard work here is that, uh, you know, the teams need to have just one single engine mode for qualifying and the race so that it becomes easier for the FIA to police these modes. Right. And the only other thing to keep in mind here is that there are actually several different modes that power unit manufacturers run through a Grand Prix weekend. You know, like for example, when they're on the formation lap, you know, or when the drivers are behind a safety car and so on.
1: Okay, Kunal, thank you for that explanation.
0: But I wasn't done. Okay. So (laughs) the the last one, the delay from Spa to Monza is to allow teams to test that one engine mode that they will run from qualifying to the race on the dynos and that's literally why there's been a delay
1: okay now you're really done and now i get two minutes for my monologue
0: yes okay go for it you know the listeners anyway love you a lot more
1: that's true and by the way that reminds me thank you to our listener kwami for uh, tweeting and letting me know that you know you're glad that i'm back on the show that was very kind of you so anyway my two minute long monologue uh, Kiwi Raikkonen replied to a few fan DMs last week. So guys, I'm not suggesting that anyone should spam his inbox. I'm just saying that I'm going to try my luck and maybe <laughs> y'all can do the same.
0: Are you saying that you haven't already tried messaging him? Is that what we're supposed to I don't want to wanna
1: say anything. This may <laughs> incriminate me. Also, Kunal, this is my monologue. I was not going to go on. Lando Norris needs to offer, I guess, uh, champagne popping lessons to the MotoGP riders and to the Formula E racers as well. You know, after uh, Lando slammed the bottle on the floor to pop it open, uh, there was one rider in MotoGP and uh, Van Doon actually in Formula E and they both had unsuccessful attempts.
0: If I may interrupt your monologue, please.
1: Yeah, but please, like, no uh,
0: technical regulation about you know podium celebrations <laughs> or some nonsense. Like no, it's that. it's about how the podium celebration narrative has you know changed from Daniel Ricciardo's shoes to Norris's champagne popping, right? And like, just only yeah, a few seasons se- few seasons ago, uh, you know, we saw Ricardo was a driver to watch on the podium, and now it's changed to Lando Norris, even though he's just gotten there once up until now.
1: Yeah, and hopefully both drivers get up there sooner when they team up for McLaren in 2021. Uh, But I'm going to jump from McLaren to Mercedes, actually. So Mercedes is the race debrief videos. And you know the other videos on social media that they've been putting out. They're so impressive and so informative. Like, I can't find even one area where uh, Mercedes have been lacking
0: now. I will tell you that one area where they've been lacking yet, which is to sign the contracts of Toro Wolf and Lewis Hamilton. Of course, I say that on a lighter note. But, (laughs) uh, you know, back to Mercedes' social media uh, videos, uh, you know, I wonder if rival teams use these debrief videos specifically you know, to train their strategists and engineers. And, uh, you know, for the sake of respect, I won't name the rival team or teams who are in desperate need of help with their race strategy. But they're like Mercedes masterclass videos, you know.
1: True. And we i not direct referencing either, but, you know, I love that post on Reddit where one of the users said that, you know, he's waiting for the time when, Leclerc asks on the radio if Vettel has approved his race (laughs) strategy or not.
0: Yes, that was absolutely hilarious.
1: Yeah, and also I'm surprised that Charles Leclerc did not receive like a a warning or a reprimand of some sort. for The two laps he drove in the Spanish Grand Prix without his seatbelt. I mean, just the sound of that sounds terrifying.
0: It is. And, you know, I won't be surprised if that comes up for discussion at, uh, you know, the, this weekend when we go racing at Spa. But, Mithila, my mind has gone back to the social media content from Formula One teams. And, uh, guys, you all have to see Ferrari's Hourglass Challenge videos, right? And I saw this one video and I literally burst out laughing because it was funny in a, in a weird sense of way, Uh, you know, of course it was great to see Vettel and Leclerc's uh, friendly rivalry, but I kept asking myself, you know, why on earth are Ferrari even doing such videos? Like there was some gaming challenge between the two drivers that made little sense. And you know, on one hand you have Mercedes doing such awesome content and then you have Ferrari's hourglass challenge.
1: And Kunal, I was also shocked to see that Ferrari let Vettel win this hourglass challenge. <laughs> I mean, I thought they're just going to make sure that Leclerc wins everything in 2020.
0: Or they were like, hey, let's keep Vettel happy by, you know, letting him win these irrelevant things on social media. It's a platform he doesn't use anyways.
1: Aww, <laughs> by the way, I'm reminded of this other video. And in fact, that one had me very irritated. It was the Tommy Elfiger commercial and it starred Lewis Hamilton. And... Gigi Hadid, and you know, in the commercial, uh, they portrayed her as like this complete bimbet who doesn't know who Lewis Hamilton is. And she's like, oh, you drive, oh, you like cars too. And you know, my blood was boiling when I saw that commercial. Like, I mean, she isn't dumb, Gigi Hadid is not dumb. And I'm sure she knew who, uh, you know, uh, Lewis Hamilton was and that he would be her co-star in the commercial. And And it was such a strange depiction.
0: Yeah, and, and this is assuming that, you know, Gigi didn't already know Hamilton from before or the fact that the producers, you know, uh, uh, didn't brief the two co- the two stars that, oh, this is Gigi, hey, this is Louis, this is what, you know... Oh, you Louis guys- should
1: actually take it pretty personally then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, you know, all the producers just think that the viewing audience is dumb enough to know that Gigi and Louis did not interact before starting the filming you know
1: exactly and kunal i just hate this negative portrayal of you know uh female formula one fans in a way it's like they have to just keep proving their worth time and time again and then there are commercials like this which undo like everything
0: yes but time to move on from this last couple of points before we end this episode guys as we look forward to spa and the settlement of the protest against uh, racing points uh, you know their pink mercedes cars i think we will see an increase in noise from teams wanting to implicate uh, mercedes for their role in this copping scandal too now whether they'll be successful or not is not known but i suspect that you know rival teams will keep bringing this up from time to time
1: and uh, Kunal, I like how Otmar said that the Racing Point cars, uh, you know, if they'd been 14th or 15th, then no one would have protested. Or wait, you know, if Racing Point did a bad job at copying, maybe Lance would have gone and complained to his father, Lawrence.
0: <laughs> you could have been like, Daddy, they can't even trace properly. Can, like, what sort of a team do we have? <laughs> but uh, talking of complaining, Albert Marco has drummed up his complaints against uh, Kvyat's uh, lack of performances. But, guys, as you all know, that's very normal. And this time, uh, Helmut Marcos already also said that uh, Max Verstappen can win a title in 2020 and that Mercedes have been extremely lucky and sooner or later their luck will run out.
1: I mean, Kunal, frankly, as much as I love his honesty, I don't agree with his views on Mercedes's luck. Like, I think, if anything, we should be applauding how Mercedes have just. Raised the bar so high in Formula 1 this era.
0: I so agree with that. I mean, you can't be winning six to seven world championship titles on the trot based on luck alone.
1: Exactly. By the way, guys, another topic to discuss. So someone broke into Pierre Gasly's home and took off with a lot of his valuables like helmets and watches and so on. And there's a police inquiry ongoing. So if you'll come across any clues or resellers offering items online... Report it to the authorities.
0: Yes, please do that. I mean, it's pretty unfortunate, you know, to, to, for Pierre Gasly to have gone through that. And, you know, we know that, you know, drivers are going to be on the road for a long time this season. And, you know, somebody's made misuse of that. But uh, finally, as we look forward to SPA, uh, here's a very interesting statistic from one of our listeners, Parag Shetty. So Parag and his friends use our Studio and Python to crunch their statistics right so this one is you know is for the grand uh, shalem or the grand slam as we call it right so the spa franco champs is one venue where the hat trick uh, you know or the pole plus win plus fastest lap you know is extremely rare uh, since 1966 there's been only one driver who's managed it and that's michael schumacher in 2002
1: wow I mean, that's very interesting. And thank you so much, Parag, for this statistic. And, you know, Kunal, given Hamilton's luck and form and literally, literally his uh, record-breaking run in 2020, maybe he'll be the second driver to claim the hat-trick this weekend.
0: Absolutely. That could very well be the case. And I would actually bet on that. But on that note, thank you so much for listening, guys. Thanks for joining me yet again, Mithila. I know you're really close to your delivery time, but it's it's lovely to have you. And guys, we'll see you in a a couple of days, maybe a few days from now with the Pits to Podium segment where we look forward to the Belgian Grand Prix. Till then, take care and be safe. Adios.